I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly podcast where we take the timeless questions of Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City and apply them to modern life and love. As ever, you are joined by Juno Dawson and Dylan B. Jones. And this week, our very special guest star is the author of some of my favourite fiction of all time ever. It's Tanya Byrne. Hi, Hi Tanya. Uh, hey. Welcome How to So doing? I Got to Thinking. How are you? Thanks for, I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm all right. Just you know, keeping keeping it keeping it together. Just about. Yeah, um, <laughs> just about, just about. Yeah, I mean, it's the best I'll, we can hope for at this point, really, isn't it? Yeah. We get we get an awful lot of feedback from people who who are really using podcasts as yeah. company during the never-ending lockdown three, and um, we are glad to give you an hour a week of some mindless nonsense about Sex and the City. I have it just in front of me now. It's Tanya's forthcoming novel, oh. After Love. That's Can you... convenient. Wait. Good, good segue. You're, you're, a guest. you're a guest in our podcast, so of course we're going to talk about your novels. Now, you, Tanya, like all my favourite people, um, lives two lives. Um, one as Tanya Byrne and one as Lizzie Byron. Both yes. are the same human. So you have your basically in the midst of promoting a novel that came out for Christmas and a novel that is about to come out in the spring summer. Um, tell us about both. Go on, start with Lizzie Byron. Yeah, Lizzie Byron is my alter ego. Um, so through Lizzie, I write, well, actually it's my first, my uh, debut, I suppose you can call it, although technically it doesn't cla- it isn't class as a debut, but uh, it's a rom-com and it's about basically about a fat brown girl living her best life and uh, she gets to fall in love and have all of those wonderful things that happen in rom-coms whether it is a little bit of a love triangle some misunderstandings you know and yeah it's not what you would expect I hope from that genre but just fun and joyful and a pleasure to write and obviously about Christmas which is also great but I cheated and started it on Halloween, which is also my fav- favourite holiday. So I got them both in. It's queer Christmas. Halloween is yeah. queer Christmas. <laughs> and actually, well, st- sticking with Halloween, After Love, I think, is one of the most anticipated YA novels of 2021. It was held back because of the Pandora. Is that yeah, right? Was it yeah. due out last year? Yeah. It was due out last August, but because of the whole, I think the kids are calling it the Panny D on uh, Twitter. Because <laughs> of the Panny D. 
it was pushed and obviously it didn't make any difference so because <laughs> I thought it'd all be over oh well ah oh, the pandemic Lovato um yeah but after, it's a piece of me it's about teenage Grim Reapers in Brighton I it yes is, wow <laughs> yeah it's oh my god it's called After Love because it's split into before and after and before is just a you know, a love story, I say just, but it's it's a love story about two girls that meet um, on a school trip to, to Rampion Wind Farm, Juno, you know. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, so really sexy uh, meet-cute uh, on the boat <laughs> where Ash is trying not to throw up um, and then they just fall head over heels in love with each other. It's right, it's right as Cheryl would say, it's right up my street. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> but, but luckily for our listeners, Tanya is also an enormous Sex in the City fan. I am. We've yeah. talked well, about I, it I was. many I times. Have, I have feelings, let's just say. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> this week, we have been watching Season 3, Episode 17, What Goes Around Comes Around. Uh, yep. Dylan, I think we need a delicious potted synopsis. Yes. So, Carrie uh, gets mugged. And <laughs> loses her loses her strappy sandals. Um, her pink suede strappy sandals. Pink last season's pink suede strappy sandals. Seasons, yeah, um, <laughs> which is extremely traumatic for her, as you can imagine. Uh, Miranda dates a gorgeous man, and it raises her sort of insecurities about herself. Um, so, Samantha takes it upon herself to. Fuck that cute virgin. Yeah, I was going to say um, deflower, but your way is... I mean, <laughs> I mean, at this point, like... It's, um, and uh, Charlotte, oh God, Charlotte has like a sort of Mills and Boone yeah. adventure in the, in the garden. Um, great episode, actually, yeah. I thought. It made, me, it made me smile, this episode. It made me... It reminded me why I love this show so much yeah um, yeah it was sex and city at its best a bit of humor totally. a bit of sincerity a bit of realness and carrie was so funny in it she was like zing 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 like every line was yeah. it was just per- and i think each of the different threads that their characters had said a lot about them as characters so I do- and actually it's quite masterful if you think about it given it's only 30 minutes long to get that much in because we did so si- series three having watched it and spoken about it week on week for 17 weeks now, what was really clear, there was a blob in the middle of series three where every week Dylan and I were coming to the podcast and being like, right, so what problematic shit do we have to yeah. crucify this week? But actually, you're right. There, there are episodes, the li- you, often the lighter-hearted ones where Carrie is single. Um, you know, it's just, oh... Bliss. We can ju- we can just talk about the bits that the mate that made us laugh or the ridiculous Samantharisms, and um, we, we need to talk about Samantha a bit later on as well. But um, um, let's start off as as we usually do with with Carrie. Max watched this one while we had our lunch today, and he was like, "Wow, it's really all about her, isn't it?" And I was like, <laughs> "Welcome to Sex in the City." Yes, got it in one. <laughs> tr- truly, truly, the universe. Is, is once again speaking to Carrie on a spiritual and kind of cosmological level yeah. this week. I mean, she As... went all karma this week, didn't she? I didn't realise she had another level, but apparently she does. 
<laughs> she has a Ouija board, Tanya. Ah, sorry. We, yeah, she's she's very she's very witchy. So it was the nineties. Yeah. She's a witch. In fact, the character is just um, her character from Hocus Pocus, who's been underground for however many years. Nice. Has come back as Carrie Bradshaw. Oh my god, um, I'm obsessed with that fan fiction journey for you, I Dylan. I need you to write that. It's like that theory about Leonardo DiCaprio in Inception that you know no spoilers but in titanic obviously he drowns and then in the beginning of uh, inception he wakes up on a beach so people are, oh there's a theory God. that yeah i love i love nothing more than like ridiculous oh it's my I, as an x-files fan i love conspiracy theory so i'm all over it so uh carrie mm. <laughs> so, yeah, carrie is a witch now and um, she thinks that the universe is trying to send her some sort of a message which is that she fucked over natasha preston and and so she thinks that she is owed bad karma by New York because she fucked over Natasha and Big and that, that's why she is being mugged and she falls down a flight of stairs. And I'm not sure, this is not Stephen King level stuff, but um, the question that Carrie and therefore we shall have to try and answer is, is there such a thing as relationship karma? Um, which then this theme manifests particularly for Miranda who believes she has been with so many bad men the universe now owes her a good man and and then um, well let, let's deal because Charlotte gets quite there's quite a lot of Charlotte plot to get through so let's deal with maybe Carrie before the break I really really like that scene with Natasha at the end a lot and that scene has really stayed with me and not just for the hideous Christian Dior dress oh the newspaper dress honest and when she's walking at the end for 20 um, minutes just for tw- walking just like oh, like wind machine oh my god ah! so I was I was gonna say that the, I think this is the first time you and I have differed like this Juno I was gonna say that that is one of my favourite Carrie dresses ever I love it I think it's iconic <laughs> that moment so when she's I. walking down the street she looks and it's incredible. just clinging like clinging to her so amazingly yeah. it's like it's like our version of the Ursula Andres coming out of the sea moment <laughs> she just looks incredible and it's the queer and version it's just it's like, the queer version of that she's taking it so seriously and she's giving face and hair and and there's yeah. that saxophone in the background yeah and she's <laughs> thinking about Big being back on the market and yeah it's just an iconic Sex and the City moment do you know the cut of the dress is absolutely divine I just I don't like the print it's just yeah but she's a newspaper (laughs) columnist do you know she does she has so many levels i know but it also just reflects carrie so well doesn't it i mean like if that meeting with natasha was really as well intentioned as she thought she would not have worn that dress she would like (laughs) to wear that fucking to wear that fucking dress to meet like your ex's like girlfriend who you cheated on him with is ridiculous yeah. pure Carrie <laughs> yeah put on a cardigan for god's sake but I loved the, the dress that she was wearing when she was mugged as well that dress was gorgeous mm. the giraffe dress the, was beautiful yeah. yeah 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 it's yeah. a baguette it's a baguette <laughs> um that was the, the most like that was the most gorgeous one of the most gorgeous muggers I've ever seen yeah he looks like, like he should have been on the Sopranos he was I mean yeah yeah but then what um, I liked about the scene and not to get too deep because it is Sex in the City. But I thought what was quite interesting about that is she's just gone for this lovely lunch, sushi with her 
friends and then she's going to go do some shopping and she takes the wrong turn, goes down the wrong street and she gets mugged. And I think it just shows the little bubble that she lives in in New York, that she has this little, you know, like certain number of places that she goes. And as soon as she steps out of it, you realise the reality of actually where she's living and how disconnected her world is from the real world so I kind of liked that scene but and again it reminded me why I used to like that show because it used to have moments like that that would remind you that it wasn't all about the shoes and the the clothes and the men it was about real life and you know navigating the world as as single women it says a lot about Carrie's character as well that she sees down a dark alley she sees a single man coming towards her yeah, and she's she thinks like, he's going to help her. Yeah. She she thinks the best of him yeah. which I think says a lot about her very sort of orphan nanny worldview. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. And then also later when she, when Miranda's freaking out about this date with the gorgeous guy Carrie doesn't even entertain it. She doesn't entertain it. She's like, you go out and you have fun. She does not let her friend think for a second that she doesn't deserve to be with a gorgeous guy. But then on the flip side with the Sam Jones thing, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about later, she tells her immediately that's statutory rape, you know. So she's a good, she it is a good friend. She isn't always a good friend, but she <laughs> yeah. is, you can see why they're friends. You see why these women have come together and formed this Bond. So we've we've talked about this and Carrie's need to absolve herself of guilt, and this is something that has come up before this season, and it will be a thing next year as well when she literally begs Aiden for forgiveness. Oh God! Yeah. Why why do we think she goes and ruins Natasha's lunch? Why? It's- selfish it's like you need to forgive Mm. me because i need to move on and i can't move on until you forgive me so i'm literally i don't care how this affects you i don't care how you feel i don't care if this is going to ruin your lunch or your day but i'm going to turn up in my christian dior dress you're going to tell me everything's okay and i'm going to get on with my life and i think that is carry all over it's the most superficial thing possible you know even the karma is superficial she doesn't really look into the depth of it it's just she just wants to be told she wants to be loved she wants to be told that you know that she's a good person that she's a good friend that she didn't mean it that she understands so she can she can move on with her life and then the best bit and this is vintage carrie she walks away (laughs) and her takeaway is that oh no natasha's Thanks to me, Natasha's back on the market. She's back on the single scene. Thanks to me. And I'm like, this is your takeaway. This is the thing that you have. You've literally wrecked her marriage. And, and this is what. May I add, stolen, <laughs> stolen her mineral water as well. The, the, the now that's unforgivable. Get off my drink. Yeah. And how Natasha didn't take that glass and smash it in her face is anyone's <sighs> guess because I would have been sorely tempted, I think. Yeah. And then, of course, Natasha's line, not only have you ruined my marriage, you've ruined my life. I know. Which was just No, great. but that wasn't the most <laughs> iconic line in the show, this episode. It has to go to Charlotte for, I want you to take me in the arms and make me not want to kiss the gardener. I mean, that's got to be <laughs> there, there were a few. There were, a there were few like a f- singers, yeah. yeah. So let's take a short break now. And then when we come back, we will dissect the other three, including the gardener. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, and welcome back to So I Got To Thinking. Um, this week, we've been watching Season 3, Episode 17 of What Goes Around Comes Around, and we are joined by our very special guest star, Tanya Byrne. Cool. Right. Okay, having dealt with... We'll come to Carrie's nonsense question at the end, but um, <laughs> let's... Who, so, I guess, dealer's choice, Tanya, who shall we pick apart next? Samantha, Charlotte, or Miranda? Let's go for... I'm going to go for Charlotte because I think... I, and again, I'm not trying to get too deep... But I think the Charlotte storyline is something that kind of runs through in the sense that, you know, it's quite funny, you know, that this is gorgeous. Is he Irish? I think he's Irish or Celtic, you know, that American ambiguous Celtic thing. Well, um, they, put, they play river dance they when play, she's having yes. the sexy dreams. So. Yes, so it must, he must be Irish. Uh, the Irish guy is very Harlequin. It's very Mills and Boone. <laughs> um, but actually, when you get to the heart of it, at that scene at the end where he is equally gorgeous and tanned and sweaty and the abs and everything, um, as the gardener is, um, you realise that she's got everything. She's got the perfect relationship, the perfect life. Everything's beautiful. She had the perfect wedding. Um, and I think she thinks sex isn't because of all of them sex is the least important to charlotte or so she thinks because that's what she says a lot so she thinks she can live without it and what we realize or what she realizes at the end of the episode is that it's not about sex it's about intimacy it's about that connection and yeah. um yes yeah, so, and i think that is the thing that runs through all of all of the other stories because with miranda She's just focused on going out with this hot guy and everyone's looking at him and la, la, la. But really, he's really into her. He really likes her. He's mm. in the restaurant scene. He doesn't notice the waitress. He's looking at her. And, you know, when she says that thing about, you know, I may not look, you know, may not be gorgeous, but I'm good in bed. I may not be mean as Mean as Vari. I'm good at That's bed. the best. Yeah. That's the best. That's line. the best. That- <laughs> like she, you know, she thinks that's what he wants, but clearly it's not what he wants. And then again yeah. with uh, Samantha, she thinks that she can just do a flower, Sam Jones, but he doesn't want that either. So in all three of their storylines, it is that connection between sex and intimacy that either they want or they don't want. So, and I think the Charlotte storyline is another good example of how they'll hit you with something that you think is actually quite comedic. And then right at the end, it's, you know, really sad. 
And you really, I think you really, particularly in that last scene, you really feel for him as well. Yeah. Like because he, it's you, just like... You know he doesn't want that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, there's just, they both accepted it and there's just nothing they can do. And that is very, despite the kind of very surreal um, vibe of all of Charlotte's scenes, which I actually loved, it kind of reminded me of that David LaChapelle Levi's advert. <laughs> is, that a bit, is that niche? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I know exactly um, what you mean. <laughs> but like, um, but yeah, or despite like the surrealness of all those scenes, that was a very real bit at the yeah. end, just two people who were like, this is not working. I liked with, with Charlotte, obviously it was another opportunity to spend some time with the McDougals, mm-hmm. which <laughs> Funny. it's, you know, it's that, that side of like high society is just so alien to me. I love the idea that somehow they have to wear whites, whites for tennis. Yeah. Which I um, wonder if, if they think is a British thing because the Americans love to kind of adopt things from the Brits and, and think that being ever so like etiquette or whatever. But yeah, I've never heard of you can't wear pastels <laughs> to play tennis. I think they probably do think it's a British mm. thing. Whereas like, like the cucumber sandwiches and the gin and tonics and it's all very British, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um Bunny turning her cigarette around. Oh yeah. The wrong end of her cigarette. <laughs> you're in, you're Google now. <laughs> <laughs> so does, so the, does this suggest that everybody in their family has fucked the gardener? Is this like the so. McDougal family secret? <laughs> like, I think it's best kept that way. <laughs> if yeah. it is, but it's that sort of really sense of stifling old mm. money. Kind of like, does Charlotte want to be in that world? Is that is that what she really even wanted? It I looks- think she thought that the whole, uh, you know, town and country magazine. Um, waspy I think she sees that as security because we don't actually know a lot about their families apart from Miranda and even at the weddings they don't turn up do they we've said um, we've we've noticed this before and we've said like it's very unusual for a for a comedy you always meet the parents apart from Miranda's mother who only appears as in when she passes away yeah yeah Yeah. Um, and then also we never get to find out how they met no, they which I've always liked. I like that, yeah. yeah. Um, so we don't really know where this is coming from, but I think she sees that as secure, old money as security and safety and maybe a bit of uh, prestige, a bit of class, a bit of reaff- re- reaffirmation of you know her place in society. Why that's so important to her, I, I have no idea. But. Mm. Do you know what, as well, apart from the fact he has like a traditionally pin-uppy model body. I don't particularly fancy the gardener. No, I was... Well, I'm a lesbian, so I'm the worst person to ask. (laughs) Dylan, thoughts on the gardener? Um... I'm really annoyed by the fact that I really did fancy (laughs) (laughs) I think that's for the best. I think our listeners would have been a bit like, this podcast (laughs) does not speak to our experience anymore. It's cancelled. I love that you disagree on the dress and you disagree on the gardener. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, we don't disagree that often on aesthetics, do we? Well, no, it's like, I don't know, there's just something... He's he's almost I can see why they've cast him, but he's almost like too perfect. Yes, he's very mm. predictable. Like, mm. I see that. But I then I think that. they did it on purpose to kind of uh ramp up the Harlequin romance Mills and Boone thing. Because he looks and like he should be on a cover. Yeah. And he's and that is like Charlotte's like ideal man, isn't it? The kind of prince, the Disney prince. But actually thinking um, about it, maybe it is a foil for I've forgotten, isn't it? Trey. Maybe it's a foil because he was the perfect husband. 
absolutely perfect in every single mm. way. And this is the perfect gardener stroke hunk stroke. So maybe it's another uh, another way of showing that not everything just because something's perfect is not what you want. I also greatly enjoyed her sexy dream as well. With oh, her she's head. banging her head. <laughs> Just, oh, yeah. oh, Charlotte, bless you. You are having a nightmare, says Trey. Um, okay, and then he's like, you're all wet, and she's like, oh. <laughs> oh, cringe, that, that oh. scene. Um, let's, let's move on to Miranda. Now, I, do you know what? I want to know why, once she'd got over the hangover from hell, why she didn't just ring him and say, I'm not an alcoholic, I was just really nervous, because obviously we love Steve, but I think there's a parallel world where she married the hot detective, or maybe it's because um, she realised on some level he was a cop, in that he's literally a cop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What I liked about that storyline was that we got to see a really vulnerable side of Miranda, which we don't very often. She's usually the one that's the voice of reason. And so it was really nice to see her not questioning her confidence, because that's not a comfortable thing to, to, you know, observe. But that, you know, real like I said, honest and vulnerable side of her, I found it really endearing. And I think maybe she was just mortified. That's why she didn't call him back. And, you know, maybe if she'd waited a couple of weeks, she would have got over it and said, I rang him, but then it might have been too late. There's a very famous psychological study from decades and decades ago, which was about, it's called matching hypothesis, which is where you get an individual to rate how they perceive their own attractiveness. And then you get a bunch of students in and you get them to rate a whole bunch of strangers pictures and what tends to happen is that when then you when you match up real life couples you find that a four tends to be with a four and a five tends to be with a five and a six tends to be with a six and this had led psychologists to posit that we tend to well this is very karma and very perks of a wallflower we get the love we think we deserve in that we we go for people we think we match with um Now, I've, like Miranda, I've been out with the odd guy where I have perceived them, rightly or wrongly, because this is all to do with the percipient, who is you, I've perceived them to be out of my league. And I find that on a personal level to be a recipe for disaster. If you think the person you're dating is too hot for you or too good for you or too rich for you, I think it just breeds insecurity and... I didn't go down the Miranda route of drinking a lot. I became, I need, I had this constant need for reassurance. Mm. Oh, and, yeah. and attractive. So sexy, so sexy. Yeah. Um, um, do, you know, do you remember when we talked, uh, God, it was after YA prom on the train back, and we were talking about relationship chemistry and about how, and it doesn't matter what you say or do. It's just one of those things that happens that some people bring out the worst in you and some people bring out the best in you. And for whatever reason, this guy brought out a side in Miranda and it's not his fault because he didn't do anything to, to, to kind of make her doubt herself or second guess herself. It just is what it is. And until she can get over that, I don't think it would have ever worked. That, adv- yeah. that advice you gave me on the train that night, I've since had that tattooed, and no, I haven't, but I've <laughs> psych- psychically tattooed, and I've passed that, I've passed that 
piece of wisdom onto many a friend, which is sometimes it's not you and it's not him. It's both of you. Yeah. Some people just yeah. are bad. And, and strangely, it was about four weeks after we'd had that conversation that I met Max and was able to kind of recognize this guy does not make me crazy. Yay. Maybe let's look at, let's look into that. (laughs) And here we are. And here we are three, three, three years later. Wow. Wow. Three years. God. Three years. Yeah. Miranda. And you haven't aged a day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thanks to Botox and dermal fillers. Yay. Oh, <laughs> yes. I wish. I'm going to say it's like, when is when when are we leaving lockdown? Because I think I've got maybe three months left on my Botox and then okay. and it's going to be it's going to be like in Game of Thrones when she takes the necklace off and becomes a, hi- <laughs> a hideous old wizened hag. Kind of. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say, I'm, I'm amazed that like she was very drunk but i'm amazed she was standing because she had six six double double vodka martinis that is you know that's that's a lot yeah um there's not much martini in that really is there no (laughs) just a cup of alcohol just six delicious cups of alcohol (laughs) i think my i think my favorite bit of like that scene when they're back at her apartment is of course the mina sivari line and then just her like stalking after him with the belt like it's a whip but like she's like running after him into the bedroom it's so amazing i mean that given that mina suvari's brief reign spanned literally two films american pie american beauty and nothing else at what point was this script written yeah it must have, this script must have been written in one week in the year 2000 i think yeah but she's you know is captured forever for prosperity so yeah i'm no mina suvari but I'm great in bed. <laughs> and she pushes him into the bedroom. Imagine, though, if you remembered that the next day, you would be absolutely mortified, wouldn't mm-hmm. you? <laughs> and also, we don't know that they actually had sex and that she didn't just pass out, which yeah. she may well have done. Because actually, yeah. it's a bit sketchy <clears throat> if she was that drunk. And, you know, it's a bit... Uh... Mm. Yeah. Speaking, of, speaking of which, <laughs> Sam Jones... Segway... <laughs> Should we move? Such a good segue. (laughs) Should we move to the Sam the Sam Joneses? That's it's a natural segue, I think, this one. (laughs) Yeah. So um, it's the only, yeah, it's the only woke Charlotte moment in this episode, which is when he like op- she like opens the door to him and he just like jumps on her out of nowhere. But like, I don't know, what do we think? Um, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because like one of like if I was not doing the job I'm doing, one of my weird dream jobs would be casting director. I think just, I just, what an amazing job to find the exact right performer for the exact right role. And you've got this one. So we need a 19, 20 year old virgin who is going to have sex with 40 something Kim Cattrall. And you're like, hmm, now we can't cast which is what American TV would normally do. You know, we can't cast a 27-year-old bodybuilder to play a 16-year-old in this case because, it, A, he would look too old and he wouldn't be believably a virgin. So they've kind of cast this, and I think he's a really intriguing choice. I thought he was great. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's... But what I can't quite understand is why Sam wanted to shag him. <laughs> 
Like she's is is this what happens when you've run out of men? You you start kind of I think she kind of got herself carried away a little bit. And I know this because I have done it. Like, when, when not specifically this, but, um, but like, when you kind of going? get... Yeah, yeah. No, not specifically. But when you kind of get an idea in your head, yeah. you kind of... And she's, she's exactly this sort of person as well. Like, she was... Because it reminded me of myself. But it's when you kind of get this idea... She got, like, carried away with the idea of the party and that everything was cosmically linked. And then he showed up at her door and she was like, do you know what? I'm just going to, like, do it and see if, like, karma does exist and if this if anything happens, I think. But, yeah, yeah I think, I'm not sure. I mean, it's... Men have always been <clears throat> slightly... Um, I don't want to say obsessed, but you know what I mean about virgins. So I thought it was quite interesting to turn that on its head and make a woman, mm. um, you know, that Christopher Columbus thing. And but I think for Samantha, it was less about being the first and rather being the first good time because she, as she says, given the first time that I never had. Um, and you know, for Samantha, it really is that simple in her head. It's you know, she just is going to have sex with him, and when when it's over, he'll go home, and that's it. You know, it's really that black and white. And I think for the first time, she got caught up in a shade of grey, really, where this guy just and again, interesting that you've turned the stereotype on its head, where it's that it's a man that's catches feelings, let's say, immediately. Um, it's usually the woman that does that, so. Uh, I thought that was a quite an interesting take on it, but I do agree that the him jumping on her, although it was kind of like I got the physicality of it, like that he was like a coiled spring, and as soon as she opened the door, he just because he was screaming and shouting outside, and, you know, whatever, and, and not screaming, and shouting, but he had the rose and he was just ready to, and you could imagine that he's been, you know, thinking about it, you know, he's just very excited, and, and it's that very that adolescent impatience, isn't it, that you know, ready to go. Um, and then also he has no game, he has no style, he has no swagger, he has no, you know, he's not going to pour her a glass of wine and charm her or anything like that. So that felt quite realistic. But yeah, I wasn't, I didn't like the fact that, um, yeah, he kissed her without consent, let's say. But um, yeah, other than that, I thought it was quite interesting. It really played on that, that stereotype of men having sex and women having sex. Yeah, you're so right. I think we've seen like, <clears throat> we've seen a gender flipped version of this story of this storyline so many times, mm-hmm. haven't we? Like the kind of the young girl who falls for the older man. Um, and, and then he gay just couples, wants to get on with, his... with gay men, it yeah. happens all the time, you know, the young <clears throat> gay man falling for the older gay man. And yeah. Yeah. It's interesting as well, because I wonder if it's, there's something, because obviously Kim Cattrall's first big breakthrough was in um, Paul Man- Keys. I thought it was Mannequin. <laughs> Only you um, would know that, Juno. <laughs> well, Porky's is not great. It's such a, like, it's, because basically it was in the wake of, I think Animal House came first, but it was another, like, frat college film yeah. about sort of teenage guys losing their virginity. So I did wonder if it was a nod, because she is the object of sexual desire in Porky's. Okay. Um, and so I, I did wonder that. if there was a little, I don't know if it, please listeners do let us know if, <laughs> if, if you've, you've seen, seen Porky's. I would, <laughs> I would go straight to Police Academy. Uh, oh, I loved Police Academy. I saw that in the se- cinema. Her second big film. Mm. Um, so, um, but yes, bless. Um, I, well, I, I do slightly wonder with this as well. Did, did they come up with the whole she ended up screwing herself line and then kind of work backwards, work backwards from yeah. like, and I, I did wonder if that was potentially 
what happened. I read something about Kim Cattrall today which oh, really bugged me. Oh, no. Um, oh. Which is there's clues are leaking out now. One of the new writers on the new, and just like that, Sex and the City spin-off, has hinted at Samantha's fate. And if this is true... I thought she wasn't in it. Well, she's not. Okay. But they've now explained others' rumours. There's some suggestion of why she's not. If you tell me she's died... I think worse than that. They have, according to reports today, they've drifted apart. Hmm... What? That's such a fucking copper. No. Bullshit. You after a certain years, <laughs> when you when you get to your thirties, forties, and fifties, your friends are your friends for life. No. Unless they do something yeah. horrific. No. Yeah. And just yeah, I just I can't envisage what could have possibly have happened that those friends would have drifted apart in that Samantha has already moved to the West Coast of America. And even that didn't drift them apart. No. So it's kind of, it's insane. So I'm really bugged about that. I would almost rather she had died, I think. Mm. I would believe that more. I would believe they were mourning for her. I don't believe that the, the other three are just in Manhattan going, oh, have you heard from Samantha? No. Well, see, they've always Maybe been quite thought... disparate, haven't they? Haven't they? So it's always been like it's like so. Charlotte and Samantha, and what world have they ever? Would they be friends? Exactly. So mm. it, yeah, especially in this day and age. Maybe you know when Sex and the City first started, when we didn't have access to stuff like this, like Zoom and you know whatever. It's it's there's no excuse to drift apart from someone unless you want to. Now, huh. it just confirms to me why I uh, will not be watching it. <laughs> So, oh, really? No, no, no. Oh, okay. As far as I'm yeah. concerned, Sex and the City ended season 10. The films didn't happen. And yeah. I should be leaving it at that. I mean, the legacy <laughs> of it is already tarnished enough as it is for me. <clears throat> but and they just seem to be making it worse and worse with, with the additions to it. So I just would rather leave it as it is. I actually remember, I was thinking about this earlier. I remember having... Um, quite an interesting debate, quite a heated debate in the kitchen at work about the second film because I hadn't gone to see it. And someone had said, don't, just don't go and see it, Tom. You're going to get really upset about the presentation in it. It's just really bad. And someone I worked with had gone to see it that weekend and said, and they knew that I liked Sex and City and she was like, are you going to go and see it? And I said, no. And then when we got into it, she got very, as the people do, get very defensive as to why I didn't want to go and see it. And it just escalated to the point that I ended up crying. <laughs> and then she just walked out. Well, it's just, it's just a film, you know, get over it, and walked out of the kitchen. And then I ended up going to the toilet because I was crying, and my friend Joe followed me and was like, why are you getting so upset about film? And I, I just remember saying to her, you know, that we don't have these roles. There's so few and far between, especially in a franchise as big as Sex and the City, because we can talk about representation in a minute, because it's dire, like Friends, given that it's set in New York. Um, and it's fine for you, because if you don't like Sex and the City, you've got Amelie, or you've got so many other options to go for, and we don't have that. And then I was thinking that this was, God, this must have been, this was before I left the BBC. So before I wrote my first book, so it must have been at least 10 years ago. Um, so in case people think this is a new thing with Twitter, it's not. We used to have these arguments, except it was in the kitchen at work or in the pub. We just didn't do it on Twitter because um, we didn't have Twitter. We didn't have that as a platform. 
Um, so it's really interesting that 10 years later, we're still having the same discussions. <laughs> but let's let's finish, as we usually do, with answering Carrie's question. Oh, so this yes. week, Carrie's question is, is there such a thing as relationship karma? I mean, I'm going to say, I, I'm not sure what you two think, so I'm not going to speak for you two, but I'm going to say my view on karma, which is that it doesn't exist. What do we think? <laughs> so I'm going to say, so I'm going to... My general vibe is that when we enter into a relationship, we bring with us everything we've learned in our past. Mm. And so in in that regard, I think there is such a thing because by the end of my 20s, I had learned how to sniff out a shitty guy, you know, and, you know... I learned what a cheater looked like. Had, having been cheated on in my 20s and indeed having cheated on people, I knew what that was. I knew what it felt like. And so when it started to happen again in my 30s, I was very quick to be like, no, 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 no. So I think I don't believe literally what goes around comes around in that, you know, if you cheat on someone, you will be cheated on. But I do think we we can learn from our mistakes and we can learn from the past and carry it forward into the future. Does that count as karma? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say I'm Catholic, but my family are Hindu, so I'm going to disagree on the karma not existing thing. But with regard to this in this actual episode, I think it's 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 Carrie's ladybird version of karma. It's like a very superficial, basic concept. Um, and actually, I think it's more to do with patterns repeating themselves. And, um, you know, if, if you carry that guilt, and I think this is what the point of what she was feeling for Natasha was guilt more than anything. I don't think she's particularly sorry for what she did. Because I do wonder, I do question whether she would do it again. Because we know it's big, and you know he's the he's the end game, really, isn't he? Juno and I have touched on representation and sex. I mean, like, yeah, we've touched on it a few times, haven't we? And at the beginning, we had a we had a count of speaking people of color, yeah, and it was always zero. Yeah, I just um, I think I'm sadly for me, I think most of it are caricatures, whether it is mm. the sex workers, the trans sex workers that, um, you know, are living under Samantha's building or the hot doctor that um, Miranda dates who works for the Knicks, who Samantha refers to constantly as the hot black doctor. And he's Blair Underwood, for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah. Put some respect yeah. on his name. Yeah. Um, and then there was the episode when uh, Samantha actually dates a black man and then his sister is the complete angry black female trope and it's nothing to do with Samantha they can't be together because of his sister um, and then there's the again with Samantha the, the, the fiery Latina artist who definitely isn't Frida Kahlo who she dates for a little <laughs> while um, I mean we're hoping we're hoping the reboot I mean this is something that hopefully the reboot will bring is that it will be better have better if it doesn't have better representation that is going to be an, a complete shock I mean even our gay characters are complete caricatures if you look at yeah. um, Stanford and you look at Anthony they're complete like bitchy queens and the yeah. lesbians that were in it in the episode that Charlotte thinks she's a lesbian you know? <laughs> and one of those like Double tick because she was black and a lesbian. 
that yes. was quite interesting. But again, it was another another stereotype. I remember once we had a conversation, Tanya, about how the noughties were particularly poor mm. in that actually the 90s... Were fantastic. There was <laughs> Fresh Prince, Sister Sister, Moesha. I mean, even in England, we had Desmond's, we had uh, The Real McCoy, we had um, Goodness Gracious Me. I mean, better it than, was better fantastic. Better than now, perhaps? Better than now. And not yeah. just better than now, but, you know... Uh, Colorism really wasn't an issue then. There was lots of dark-skinned actors that, you know, if you look at a show like The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, for example, you had as many light-skinned actors as you had dark-skinned actors. Mm. And then The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, much like The Cosby Show, really introduced the idea of a, a black middle class. So it wasn't all about, you know, being poor or being in a gang or, you know, yeah. you know pr- police brutality. Although all of these <laughs> things are important stories to tell, it wasn't the only story. And then the different world was, you know, obviously the spin-off where at the college, you know, which was Hillman, which was a, a very reputable university. I mean, things were much better we seem to have gone backwards and i don't understand i really don't understand all all i can think is that there was an issue and this is so depressing to say we're talking about the year 2000 here not the year 1000 Mm -hmm. was it was an issue with segregation and integration which is the 90s had shows which seemed to have an all-black cast or an all-white cast, but very rarely did we see any sort of mixing. And I wonder if actually it was interracial stories that we were really deprived of during the noughties. Mm. But then, or or is it just tokenism, which is did heading into the new millennium where commissioners like, well, we've done the Cosby show, we've done the Fresh Prince, it is done. Mm. There is there is nothing else to say about race, and and actually by not saying anything, it meant that people of color just vanished off television. <clears throat> they just fell off screens for what felt like the best part of ten years until Shonda Rhimes, you know, yeah. arrived. And I've also noticed there's a very like there's a Netflix that particularly with Netflix shows there's a trend of making them very diverse, but the main character is always white. Yeah. So it's going to be like the main protagonist surrounded by loads of really cool diverse people, but in the end the person who you're paying the most attention to is the white person because like, they're the gateway character because they're the one that everyone understands so they right, have to be yeah. white they have to be <clears throat> cis they have to be straight because mm, yeah. how will the every man how will everyone in the audience understand them if they're not and that's uh an issue i think and on yeah. that we shall wrap up thank you so so yeah. much tanya for coming on so i got to thinking when is after love now available please it's out in july i think I hope. <laughs> we'll see. Who, Who knows? can say? Who can say? Um, next week we come to the season finale, oh. and yes, and yes, it's those transgender sex workers that Tanya oh. just mentioned. Oh, it's just awful! It's awful! It's so awful. Are we? I mean, am I right in saying, do you know, that we're like kind of perversely looking forward to it? <laughs> it's an important conversation to yes. have, and I can think of no one I would rather have the conversation with than London's own Charlie Craggs, who will be. Oh my god! Us. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank God it's not uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> Tanya, whereabouts can we find you on the internet, please? Um, I am on Twitter as Tanya Burn, and also on Instagram again as Tanya. Burn or you can reach me at tinyburn.com until next week we are at SIGTT podcast um, take care and we'll speak to you next week bye for now
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.